PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. Yeah, and why wouldn't we play a bit of Foo Fighters the best? Because we saw two of the best on Saturday, audio courtesy of Sky Racing, Animo and Nature Strip, two fantastic races at Randwick at Caulfield. Jamie Mott got his Group 1 first of his career with call sign Mav as the t- t- conditions really deteriorated there. Vince Accardi from Daily Sex Horse. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Ralphie. You yes. like good horses. You like stuff this year round, but you like good horses. I do. I hope everybody else does as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Before I ask you about the details of these uh, two champions, well, I think we can call Adamo a champion now. That's his fifth group one. How did, uh, how did Randwick play? All right, well, if we look at it just on the raw figures, race one kicked off at around minus 8.2 with the open horses. If we sort of then look at sort of race three, race four, we're already minus 18, minus 20, which is bang on S7, H8. Race six, race seven, just to give a bit more clarity, it was 20.7, 21 and a half. And then we finish off like at the rest of the day, when we get down to races 9 and 10, we were minus 19, minus 16. Of course, the exception, Nature Strip coming out of the chute there, 9.8 below. So we were hoping for maybe, you know, just on the slow range, but that's not just on slow. That's borderline heavy, isn't it? Yeah, we, we, we we pretty much were S8, uh, S7, H8. Yep. Good as gold. All right, let's start with Animo, <laughs> the group one, because, well, it was the group one on the card. Officially, the George Main. By Sunday morning, Vince, it was a case of, uh, I think your phrase was, if he doesn't stay in the stalls, he'll win. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was as painless a watch as you've ever seen. Uh, I tweeted after the race. I said, that, there's 60% on your, on your money, uh, and that's at the low side, at, uh, I think, across the, across the uh, totes. 60% on your money in a minute and a half. That's not, that's not bad because, honestly, that horse had to fall over to lose. Well, you summed it up perfectly about falling <laughs> over to lose. I mean, the positioning that the rider put it in was already – you knew once they run, like seriously, after a few hundred metres, for those that did back it, would have uh, would have been very confident. They're just going to the collection window or through the corporate bookmakers, however. They just weren't losing their money. And it was a pretty soft win, really, in the end. You have a look at the breakdown, Ralphie. 15.4 lengths below benchmark first section. 
excellent move between the eight and the four. This was probably the the, the highlight. It was around 11.2 mid-race squeeze. And then overall last 400, you could just see, look how consistent the last four, two to four was 0.6 below and maintained that same speed over the last 200 metres. Just really, the others might have looked like they were, you know, making their moves to close, but I, I, there's no doubt Anime never got out of the gears. So uh, pre-race, as you know, obviously we put a lot more detail to it on the uh, preview podcast, and you can listen now to our preview podcast. If you weren't a customer, we always put our preview cast, uh, podcast up on the Monday, completely unedited, which is the deep dive on the Friday of the quality of the uh, legs that we we identify, and uh, also the uh, the update on the Saturday morning. Uh, Animo, you summed this up on your race speed profiles. He's trialed since his first up wins. So twenty eight days between runs, we no issue. He's come back better than in his last two preps. He looks shorter, better, plus 2.8 here. That would make it impossible for him to miss a place. Only bad luck should prevent him winning. Well, he's actually one on the low side, and I assume that's because of that slow early tempo. There's no need to try and get a bigger figure. No, 2.7 overall. Funny enough, second best of the day, but didn't have to do any work. Went out virtually the same speed as the start before, Ralphie. So it's not like that they were looking to be more forward or anything like that. The, the reality was that's just that was the nature of the race. The race shape allowed the horse to be right up on the on the speed. And even the mid race move wasn't as aggressive as the start before, and nor was the last two to four hundred meters. So I remember uh, last uh, autumn there was there was a race he got beaten in and you said sometimes with James McDonald he can he can be a bit uh, he can get a bit back on this horse and I think probably both James learning on him and the horse just with natural progression as a as a stallion who just wants to crush the opposition he just puts himself where he needs to uh, depending on the race shape. Uh, yes, it, that's exactly right and that and that's what's intelligent about it because you could have gone all the way out the back and been running 20, 21 lengths below benchmark, then what that would mean is, you take Duaz as an example, that would be the prime example, Ralphie. That squeeze was 18 and a half versus 11.2. So you've got to put an extra six lengths of work in, and yep. then obviously you then got to try and look to maintain that over the last two and 400 metres to ensure you're going to be winning. But when you can get in a race like this, and understand that you're not even remotely getting out of your comfort zone. Why would you have it out the back? Yeah. You just you do the right thing. Be positive, and that's what they did. I loved it. Well, it's funny because you mentioned Joe. So I've got the Racing New South Wales jockey quotes in front of me here that they post up on their website. And Josh Parr said, let the dust settle on that performance and see where she's at. So even though, you know, we'll go, there's a couple others to talk about, I might just start there given she was so deep in the market for the Caulfield Cup. Given the mid-race squeeze uh, required, you can't, you can't beat her yet, can you? No, no, that was actually a really good run, Ralphie. It was right. excellent performance. You have a look at it. Twenty point two lengths below benchmark. I can just go to Randwick last campaign. The horse is going a length slower than that, right? That was on heavy ground as well. A little bit heavier than this. The yep. mid race move was nowhere near as dynamic as that, and the close was virtually the same within a length is what I should say and therefore I, I marked that run probably four or five lengths better than the other one well there you go from a, so, from a conditioning point of view and how the horse is trending well it, it's almost uh, you know <laughs> Edward Cummings great immortal grandfather because uh, um, that, that's how he would start his horses on their cups preps wouldn't it out the back get the mid race move and that's how they would get their fitness benefit 
absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So ice bath. Um, leading into Zaki's run, we said this before. Uh, I, I said it watching it, and then uh, then we discussed this on the podcast. I was surprised that the market really wanted to back ice bath on a mad leader's track against Zaki. Well, she ran really well. Couldn't have run better under the circumstances. I guess she couldn't have run better under the circumstances again. So obviously this mare's just in dynamic form. Just she needs to move away from superstars. Well, hopefully they can work that out. Yeah. I, mean, I know a number of people were saying that the horse was better off running in that race midweek, but as I think it was Ron Duff, as he said, picked up an extra 100000 running second here, so they made the right decision. Yep. So from that perspective, it's good. But you're right, from here on in, you really – well, I don't know. Where, where does Animo go? What does happen to Ice Bath? I guess that's something that I'm not sure of what happens. You know, well, you think particularly – that, and by the way, if people are wondering, we're not doing a podcast preview this week, but the week after, Epsom Day, Sydney, Turnbull Day, Melbourne. Looks like we've got a bit of work to do because they'll both be sensational meetings. But as far as uh, Ice Bath's concerned, you would think uh, Animo definitely won't be running in the Epsom and she can go to that handicap. And if this Sydney rain continues, she'll be, she'll be suited at the Randwick Mile. Absolutely, for sure. And we just got always got to be consciously aware that the horse is a runner that's at its absolute top could get into the mid fours ranges. Yep. And at the moment is trending very nicely towards what it did last campaign, which is a rock solid plus three. That one point nine sort of really brings crystallizes that from my perspective. And I feel that the the horse might be a length further ahead than what it was two preps back, and that was when it peaked at 3.3, and probably trending about a half length behind when it did the 4.4 back in April of 2021. So if you're looking at all the variables, this horse is on or around the the potential of definitely putting down another performance that's a length, length and a half better than what it's currently uh, doing. Second favourite in the race, Fangirl, uh, missed the place. Uh, Hugh Bowman said, I think she'd appreciate better ground. Realistically, she was just a touch disappointing. Your thoughts? Uh, well, if we look at it strictly on a heavy ground, the horse doesn't have the WTI. If we're looking at slow ground, the horse is very good. So there is a difference for this particular horse. The difference is, realistically, about six lengths, Ralphie. So I have to be in... Uh, Bowman's corner on what he communicated. There's no question that this horse wasn't able to perform anywhere near its optimum given the nature of the ground conditions. And I'm looking at this, uh, at, at your IVR data from her Newcastle Group 1 win uh, in the Phillies range. Uh, third best last 600 and 400 day, best last 200 of the day. And what was clear at that Newcastle meeting, which we, if people might remember, that was the transferred meeting due to the Sydney's big wet that they ran on the Monday. What was clear in that was that the last 600, the, 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 you, you communicated that uh, the, the track was, you know, S, S5 at worst. That That's day. correct. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's where the data can match up with the jockey's comments, and uh, we don't pretend we're sitting on the horse events, but it's uh, it's good to just let the numbers uh, compare with what these champion riders are saying. Absolutely, and then you can see as well the horse actually ran reasonably well through the first two sections yep. before sort of weakening over the last two hundred metres. So there's, there's still good merit in the in the run. It's just it's un, it's just unfortunate that you know this particular runner isn't really going to appreciate. Well, it doesn't. You can have a look at it. On the heavy grounds, it's WTIs anywhere between minus 7 and plus 3.7 at best. Like, that's miles behind Animo and Ice Bath. Like, genuine six to eight lengths behind those two on heavy ground. All right. Uh, the, let's have a look at the uh, at the shorts. And 
I saw the great Lee Freeman during the week. Vince, I don't know if you saw this, but he said it's one of the great his great joys of watching racing in his life of seeing these <laughs> champion old geldings, Nature Strip and Eduardo taking it up to each other. And sometimes you just have to take you know, smell the roses a bit and realise what we're seeing. It's just awesome watching another epic between these two. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's just one of those scenarios, was it? the way Nature Strip was able just to sort of relax through that first section. And mind you, this if we compare it on the day, that ground was definitely quicker coming out of those shoots. There's some good evidence there on a, on a couple of races. <sighs> it's one of these things. Is, I, I might have touched on it on the Friday or the Saturday, Ralph. It was really all going to get down to the riders were going to make the difference in this race. And it was who was going to give the better ride and... He just had that little bit of a challenge whilst Brenton had been on it before, wasn't the regular rider of recent times, and it's gone out at a good speed given the ground conditions. And unfortunately, trying to sustain the pressure through the first two sections did sort of burst the bubble a little bit on the horse in the end. And you could see the blowout last 200 metres, Ralphie. You could, I mean, here's the real key 4.6 lengths below benchmark at the eight to the six. But then between the six and the four and the four and the two, the horse accelerated between four and a half and four lengths because it started to de-accelerate towards the, the, the tail end of, of, of approaching the 200 metres and then lost the additional two lengths. That's all about energy distribution, yes. the way that, that the energy was distributed. And, and it's it's such a, a game of inches, literally. So it's probably – it's almost certainly cost him second – you have to say it's cost him third, and it's all because using that that big burn of fuel in the mid race. Yeah, well, you have a look at Nature Strip on the opposite side. It's between the eight and the six. It's travelling three point five lengths below benchmark, but between the critical part all the way to the two hundred metres, the actual energy burnt was only between three point one and 2.7, and was able to hold its line over the last 200 metres. Yes, there was just a minor drop-off. We're, we're really clutching in straws now between 0.4 and 0.2, but the, the, you can just see the efficiency was different, and it was at least a length, length and a half better. And then you're conserving a little bit of fuel through the first 300 metres as well. I mean, the horse is saving energy of over three lengths. So when you distribute that across... It makes such a big difference in these type of races, particularly late when it might count. And the others, there was a couple other runners, you know, running home hard, but they were never going to catch Nature Strip. Uh, yeah, you didn't touch it. You actually stated it as far as the jockey, and this is what you've stated on your race speed profiles. And people got that uh, who got our both podcasts. Eduardo, he was stunning last start. He'll have no issue wet on dry. Top two finish looks highly likely for him, although. Brenton Abdullah doesn't have the same knowledge on him as Nashville Weller, so he'll need to be sure not to expose any of his negatives, such as over-restraint. So that was the, the zigzag there. With Nature Strip, you summed up, his Canterbury trial was positive. He looked in need of another hit-out, which he got last Saturday. So it was between races that you mentioned on the pod. Uh, he should be ready to run well now, wet or dry, no issue at all. He should run within plus 2.7 to plus 4.4 range. What did he do? Ended up with a 3.6s in the end, which Dang, is good. right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. What a beautiful uh, victory as well. as It's just, just flying. And as you said on the pod, <laughs> and, and we'll say many times before, many times in the future, what a genius, Chris Waller. Just get off the get – go to England, bolt in, get a, come back and just keep up where you, where you left off. Yeah, and this is and this is the beauty. And how how fortunate are they to be able to have a horse, to be able to travel all the way there, then come back and not really – 
lose a millimetre in ability at this stage. Uh, uh, now, every uh, Sunday I send an email to our members, both listed in Group 1, and uh, ask if they want to be part of the pod. Brenton, a great supporter of ours. Uh, you and Vince have discussed at length that a below IVR first section is Nature Strip's optimum setup. From my mate reading of the numbers, the first two sections on Sundays were below IVR benchmark. I'm interested in a discussion point on the comparison of ratio between Sunday and the races where Eduardo has been able to prevail, i.e. Brenton v Nash Handling. The other fact that could have been Nate Strip had residual fitness from UK on previous first up runs. Your thoughts, Vince? Well, we've touched on yep. the scenario between the two different riders, and uh, this is an absolutely no knock on Brett Nabdala because I, I I feel he's a fabulous rider, particularly when he's in in tune. He he really gives them every opportunity, but there's just this challenge when you get down to these particular situations. He just didn't have that same experience in terms of understanding Eduardo as the way Nash did. Yeah. I'm not saying that Nash would have gone out and made the pace any different, but you know Nash, the way he likes to save that energy, it's just part of his uh, nature in terms of he, he does that deliberately. He looks to see how he can reserve some fuel. I don't know how he does it, by the way, but he, but he just does it. I mean, it's continuously appearing on the numbers. So, yes, that was uh, definitely the shift difference. Was it ever going to make a difference in the victory? Just all it would have been is, like you said, Ralphie, perhaps it would have cost the horse the difference between running maybe third or or even possibly second, but it was never going to beat Nature Strip in the end. This is post-race talking now. So uh, Darren's asked, uh, hi, Ralphie and Vince, uh, didn't, my, didn't hear Mask Crusader in the call, so I watched the replay. He looked to be finishing off ni- nicely. It looked like another 100 metres would have been ideal. Was it a hit and run or just a pass? Well, saw um, Michael Hawks afterwards said he is set for one race only. So that, uh, that's a bit of insight there. What we'll do, uh, and, and Darren's a Group 1 member, so our bonus content today, because uh, we do uh, really appreciate our members, we, we've got no corporate bookmaker support. We don't ask for it. We don't get it. We are completely independent, and uh, we're here because of our support of our members. So our bonus Group 1 content today, I'm going to ask Vince uh, what, he's, what we've learnt as far as the Everest is concerned from some of these runners, also what he's learnt with Cox Plate, with Animo, and, uh, and in Melbourne, with uh, with Af Cabin and Boogie Dancer both winning as far as their uh, their Guineas campaigns go and how they line up with some Sydney horses there. So that'll be the bonus content, a little 10-minute podcast we're going to do that will be exclusive to our Group 1 members. If you want to become a Group 1 member, just go click the links via my website, racetrackralphie.com.au, and, uh, and support the fact that uh, what we do is send this out independent of corporate bookmakers Members get best of the day from, and that's both listed in Group 1, members get best of the day every week from Melbourne and Sydney. Let's have a look at the Kingston Town, Vince, over 2,000 metres here. Um, Allegron looked to me perfect in run. By look at the data, that's pretty much the difference, and Benno set a task. Yeah. Wow. Again, we were just talking about it, Ralphie, about where you position yourself. The lead speed's 5.4 lengths below benchmark. Now, relative to the day, this was actually, for a 2,000-metre race, very solid. So that's the first point. So where do you want to be? Allegron, the winner, is tagging that runner about 5.4, 5.5 lengths. But no was another five lengths further by, or four lengths further behind. Just put yourself in an impossible position. You so always say 10 lengths, lengths is, the, is the number. Yeah. <laughs> your good luck well, position. It, it's already tough once you're more than eight lengths. Now, 10 doesn't mean you can't win. It just all depends on what happens in the mid-race, right? Yep. And have a look at the mid-race. There's strong acceleration. And 
well done, Knight's Order, because, boy, this horse was trying to do... It's actually trying to maintain the tempo all the way through those first two sections. And Allegron did have to make a good move between the eight and the four. But have a look at the difference, Ralphie. Look at the mid-race squeeze. 7.7 mid-race squeeze for Allegron, and Bonneau was 14. It's, it's such a big thing to do. And, yes, we get down to the last 200 metres and look at the difference. The difference was only 0.3. So all that effort, all that energy, there's no way that this horse would have had any less disadvantage if it had been two lengths closer. Now, two lengths closer might have been the difference between winning and losing. No doubt. So we talk about grand finals and trainers' intent, etc. So probably at this stage of the prep, they were happy just to settle wherever and this was out the back, which doesn't mean it was the right tactics on the day. What I'm saying is that's that's uh, when it comes to comparison. The Metropolitan's next run, and Benno is, uh, is well, it's uh, equal favourite with Durston, who, uh, who won the Newcastle Cup. So I dare say that'll be the grand final day. Vince, I might even ask you about that in the, uh, in the little group one bonus pod about your thoughts for the 2400 as well. So we can sum that race up there. The Phillies, Zoo gotcha in the, in the T-Rows. Vince, my, my, my thought was this, Vince, post-race, and because you just spoke about how good Nashville Wheeler is at just leaving that right bit of energy at the right time and how often he can conserve just that little bit for full exertion last 200. Watching James McDonald and Zoo Gotcha, that seemed like a Nashville ride. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not wrong about that. Have a look at it, Sir Offie. 8.2 lengths below benchmark first section. You couldn't have asked for a better positioning running. Bang on, inside three lengths from the lead speed. That's a golden position to be in. And then you get gifted between the eight and the 400. You're not asked for that additional movement because the leader was already weakening, oddly enough, that uh, Wellinga beast. It already lost a length of actual momentum when it went through the eight to the 400. It's very visible when you start to break down the micro splits between the four and the two. The horse was continuously losing velocity. And the winner didn't have to do hardly any work. The squeeze was not even three lengths between the eight and the 400. So cruisy. In fact, I felt that the horse won without even putting in any real effort. And this was a soft win for this horse. The margin may not clearly indicate that, but from my perspective, this was... This horse, it didn't have didn't have to try. She didn't have to try. <laughs> nice. So, uh, Madame Pomery, big midway squeeze. Is that uh, an Oaks type sort of setup? Even though the overall time was soft. Well, come from a couple of lengths further behind. Did did put in a nicer squeeze overall. But when I come back down and just look at the last two hundred meters, unfortunately for me, conserving more energy, and yet you couldn't outkick the winner. Which yeah. Well, just at this point in time, I just look at it from that angle saying, okay, they both headed to the same sort of goals, Ralphie? Uh, I would say so. In the short okay. term, they'll both go to the flight. So probably at this stage, you know, I'm still all all chips in on Zugotcha. Yep. So this is one of the fascinating ones here, the Bill Ritchie Handicap Race 5. You said O President was one of the best trials you've seen for years, but 10-day backup, it could be pancake time. It could be flat as attack. Well, not only... Did it finish like it was flat as attack? It didn't start like it was flat as attack. What happened here? What were we watching? Yeah, I don't know what they were up to, Ralphie. <laughs> wow, it was just it was ridiculous and 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 probably sad at the same time, right? So given given you said about it was a good speed in that previous race, going five lengths below benchmark relative to the conditions. Here he's almost benchmark point nine below. That must be flying relative to the ground. Yeah, and didn't have to do that. That's yeah. see, this is the thing. I don't know what – maybe they couldn't control the horse. That's that's probably 
a possibility, right? Yeah. But it's just way too much overreaching. You know, fell into the hands of even even crosstalk going two point three. It's too fast, right? Yes. It, there was no need to do anything like that. I mean, the real speed of the race, Rafi, was around six point four lengths below benchmark. That's the real speed. So, and this is a bit of an art here, and I've, you've mentioned it many times, but just for people picking up what you said, they might think it's a contradiction. You've just said 10 lengths is in a non-winning position, but it's not 10 lengths from the leader if the leader is completely overdoing it and, and, and not in contention. Absolutely, and this is what's happened. They decide to see who was the the faster horse through the first section, and this is crosstalk versus O president. Well, that, that answer was clearly done, but that's not anyone. No one's getting paid on that, right? Yeah. You couldn't bet on that, but that's what they were doing. Yes, which which is unfortunate because that completely gave their horses no chance. And especially, see, this is the other part with O President. You got the possibility of flat line run, and then if you go quick, well, then you got no chance of even remotely being able to get through a flat line run because usually when you look at the prism from a, a numbers perspective, we have seen horses overcome flat line runs by not having to overextend themselves through the first section and sometimes even in the midsection where it's you know going much slower. They would have been far better off uh, going at what the speed was really should have been, around six lengths below benchmark, maybe a length faster than that. That would have been a lot better. But Unfortunately, now we look at O President, look at the loss at, over the last 200 metres. That's that's never good. I hate it when I see that. A 23 length below benchmark last 200 metres giving clear insight. Either the horse has completely given up or something went amiss in the end. Yeah, I reckon he would have slept well that horse. But yep. go to the winner though. It's because under, and we often say this, under, under real pressure, you get to see what's under the bottom. That's a nice performance, 1.7 lengths above benchmark top ranked. Yeah, and the big thing here was obviously because the, the way they were travelling in terms of speed and pressure, there was a big responsibility in terms of when you're going to make your move, particularly in, in this sort of race. So that 8 to the 400 was going to be critical, and this horse absolutely put in a big kick. It was a 10.6-length 10, 10. mid-race squeeze, Ralphie. It was actually 0.2 above benchmark, and this is was the – probably the final scenario where it allowed the horse to get victory and it was a far superior performance to uh, Purple Sector who ran second. Hugh Bowman said, and this is on the Racing New South Wales website, the pace was too good for him. He was first up for a long time and had only one run in 12 months or more. He's a horse with excellent European form, came here with a big boom on him, a lot of confidence behind him. He's yet to disappoint. He sort of went and missed when he ran first up last prep. Annabelle has him very nice now, taken her time and let her uh, let him tell her when he's ready. It was a lovely starting point for him. Class takes a long way. I think he's got a lot of improvement to come. So what's your thoughts there, Vince, projection-wise? Well, the first thing is when we look at numbers, the Newcastle performance back in 21 was a 1.5. Here we've got a 1.7. Completely different race shape. Yep. So the exertions were different. There is there is an entitlement to be able to weaken late, and the horse did weaken late, lost about 1.4 lengths of velocity, was actually slowing from inside the 400 metre, probably from the 250, 300 metre mark, the horse was already slowing. And this is, in my view due to the high extension between the 8 and the 400, and there has to be some conditioning blowout. I know Annabelle Nisham appears to get a number of her horses, you know, reasonably forward and ready to go, which is a good thing to to do that because that means you know the horses are going to be battle ready, and it was here. And 
I have to, again, I've got to tend to agree with Hugh Bowman. There's nothing to indicate that this horse isn't going to improve at least another length. So that, that gets him into, in, in a similar company there. Generally, if you're going to talk Epsoms or Cantales, you need to be plus four as a starting point. So that still might be a reach for him. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Wait and see. Keep measuring them as they go. Yeah. All right. Well, Caulfield, I'm glad we did uh, Sydney for our, our preview podcast, Vince, because while that was S7, S8, it ended up being a total mess at Caulfield. No one's fault. It absolutely bucking them down. If you live in Melbourne, you know what we're talking about here. So, but good on uh, good on um, Jamie Mott, who, uh, you know, you can look, look at uh, at some real heart and soul racing people who who uh, who've just give him complete praise for the type of person he is and the way he goes about it. Uh, obviously, has to torture his body to uh, to to ride in any fashion at uh, at the weight that he rode. Um, call sign Mavat got the win there at uh, what did he ride? So he rode fifty seven half, but he's been riding as low as fifty four recently, which would just be torture for him. A bit like uh, Stevie Arnold of a decade back, but he got the money. Good on him, Danny O'Brien with this horse. Call sign Mav. Back in February, Vince, I'll just read this and then I'll get your, your thoughts about uh, about what he actually did on Saturday on the wet ground there. But back in February, he had his first Australian start and he, he really um, he really uh, raised our eyebrows, didn't he? Because that was a terrific performance. Yeah, this also does have a level of ability. There's no doubt about it. Like you were saying, Caulfield back in February 22, there it is, 2.7, fifth best of the day. That was the first up off 112 days you know, giving indication that this horse absolutely has ability. Now, maybe the way they strategize going up to 2,000, then back to 1,600, all those things didn't work. Hopefully they understand. I don't believe this horse is a 2,000-meter horse, right? Yep. But the way it sort of handled itself here and was able to relax, they may have a different approach. And if this horse can do this and continue to do this type of uh, scenario where the horse can breathe, settle, then that gives them a better opportunity to handle more distance should they attempt to do that. So he's overall uh, 2.1 lengths above benchmark. Yep. That, that's that's sort of – it's actually a bit similar off the top of my head to Sierra Sioux last year. It proved a, a nice handicap win, and you're delighted, of course, if you're part of it or you backed him at the big odds. That generally means it's still a challenge, though, to get a Turak can be, you know, last year on Thunderstruck a plus seven was, was in a phenomenal performance. Yes. Well, I sort of sit back and when you look at the way this horse races – Yep. Sometimes, look, you have a look at that run second up last campaign, Rolfi, like just going so fast, it's too much. This breathing and relaxing sometimes can just see him not only get more distance but improve their overall performance. So I sit back here and say, okay, the way you handled yourself here, you're 2.7 below uh, above from last preparation. You've already got that in the bag, I believe, this campaign. Now... Does this change also mean you might be able to find an extra couple of links because you can relax? Yes. And it's possible, especially from this stable. Uh, and, and how much do you factor in the fact that it was really wet ground and what have you, 22 links below uh, benchmark the raw time? So how much do you factor in that you love the conditions? Well, it's, it's not an easy one with this particular horse, Rolfie, in terms of how much you can love it. We just know that from uh, from New Zealand perspective, the horse does have a WTI that can be up as high as 9.3. So, yes, the horse definitely can handle these conditions, and it was one that probably had an edge on a number of other runners. From that perspective, yes.
Yeah, uh, I'm th- Superman and Tuvalu both ran well, and uh, and then there was a bit of a gap to the rest, and that that was just relative to the uh, to the very soft ground on, on the day, so a bit, a bit hard to hard to line up. I will finish on a couple of points here, Vince, for for people looking at stats and stables. So, firstly, <laughs> Danny O'Brien, there was a lot of uh, there was some stats floating around that uh, oh sorry uh, tweets and so forth going around about his poor recent record statistically. Vince, he's a Group One trainer. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you always say stats are static. I know you were prosecuting this argument, but you've got to look at dig a bit deeper. Sometimes he, he's had a whole bunch of horses from Bob Peters that haven't been handling wet ground. I'm not here to be a cheer squad leader, but uh, you're going to end up costing yourself money if you start looking at things like that. If you if you don't think a someone like Danny O'Brien is is a Group One Grand Final trainer. Oh, that's yeah, absolutely very silly. I mean, he's he's up as good, he's as good as anybody else training Rafi, and he absolutely when he targets horses or prepare, particularly for any of these high level races, he's he's bringing his best foot forward, and he knows exactly what he's doing. And oh no, he'd have to. It's just like saying, okay, well, I, Damien Oliver's out of form. I, I won't I won't be with him <laughs> in big races. You're dreaming, aren't you? Correct. Couple and the other stable I want to finish with here, and another one that you've you've often uh, mentioned how good they are. So Ma Eustace, Pride of Jenny, <laughs> second up, Smoke and Romans, third up. It was often nothing run at, at Moody Valley due to a real slow tempo in a small field there, but they both come to play. They're just so good at getting them to elevate. Yes, Ralphie, and I and I have to say I was um, delighted about Pride of Jenny because I really felt that this horse was going to have a huge chance in this particular race. Couldn't believe the price they served up, but. I look at now the performance from what it did first up and how it improved further from first up to second up. It's fantastic. And like you said about this stable, there's no doubt that this horse is still going to extend a lot more than what, where it is at the moment because the drop-off late is a clear sign that there's more improvement to come from this horse and particularly the way Zach rode the horse through the first two sections. What I loved about this is Zach didn't look to try and slow the horse down between the eight and the 400. Had he had done that, the horse wouldn't have even finished in the money. So that's how intelligent the ride was in the end. Just roll and keep rolling. And the stable, they must be laughing because they know this horse is going to improve a lot more off that run. Well, in two weeks' time, and obviously we'll do this in our preview podcast and have a, you know, once once fields are out, et cetera, et cetera. But in two weeks' time, there's a mare's race at Flemington last year, two lengths above benchmark and completely overdid it early. So she's obviously now a more relaxed customer with this stable and this is only her third start for him. So there's only she's only going one way, isn't she? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, that'll uh, conclude this week's edition of Year Round Carnival. If you're a Group 1 member, you'll get an email with our bonus content looking at particularly Af Cabin and uh, what he did on Saturday, what that means towards the Caulfield Guineas. Thanks so much for checking us out.